because you don't come out on Wednesday nights. <laughs> no, that's... You can open up in your Bibles. We're going to be over at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 to start with. How many of you have ever taken your kids over to McDonald's, maybe when they were younger, or taking some of your grandkids, or just any little kids, and you take them on over there, you drive them to McDonald's in your car, which is running on your gas. You go up to the counter and you buy lunch for them with your money that you worked for. You carry the meal back to the table for them. You put the meal on the table. You get distributed all out amongst the different ones. And as you do, you notice that you are one large fry short. And you know McDonald's, they do know how to make, they know how to make French fries. And their French fries are good. You probably don't want to eat them a whole lot, but they are good. You're one French fry short, so, you know, being that you, you know, hosted this thing, you decided that you would short yourself some, you gave them everybody else, and you went over to one of the children, and you went to reach for some of their French fries. And as you reach for their French fries, your hand is slapped. Leave my French fries alone. Now, how did those French fries become theirs? You drove, your guess, your money, you carried it back to the table, you provided the whole thing, but now they are they're french fries. <laughs> it's amazing how we come into possession of some things, isn't it? Sometimes we have become in possession of some things that are good and sometimes we have become in possession of some things that are not so good. We have to let go of some of those things we have become in possession of that we should not have. And we must take hold of some of those things we have not yet laid hold of. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, there's a teaching that comes out of this that has always disturbed me. Maybe it disturbs you. Maybe it doesn't. For some people, this teaching brings comfort. That may not be so after today. The Word of God says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. How many of you have this up on your refrigerator? (laughs) And when times get tough, you look at that refrigerator verse... Oh, glory to God. I will not be, God will not allow me to be tempted beyond what I can be bear, what I can bear. And we've taught from this that, that first off, that we have been taught that God screens out all tests, all trials, and all temptations that are greater than we can bear. How many have been taught that? I'm not going to ask how many believe that. I'm just asking how many have been taught that. I am taught to endure simply because if I'm going through it, I must be able to handle it. Haven't you been taught that? If I am going through it, if the temptation is in front of me, if the test or trial is there, I must be able to endure it because God would not allow me to be tempted beyond what I am able. Isn't that right? Isn't that what you've been taught? We hope to dispel such rumors because that is not a right teaching. And we'll prove it to you from the Word of God. I'm not just going to tell you something. We'll show it to you from the Word of God. But I think when you come out with this, you'll have something a little bit better than what you had before. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. You may not have this one up on your refrigerator. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. What happens to them? Those who desire to be 
rich fall into temptation and a snare. Did they fall into that because God desired them to? Why did they fall into it? Because they desired something, didn't they? They wanted something. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Understand this. Money is not the root of all evil. You can have all the money in the world that you want and it is not the root of all evil. Money does not cause problems. It exposes them. Some of the most stingy people are poor. And the only reason you don't recognize it so much is because they don't have any money to be stingy with. If they had money, they'd be stingy with it. They wouldn't do anything with it. They wouldn't bless people. But you don't know that because they're, they're not rich. You get them rich, you find out what they're made of. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money. It's the love of money. Not money. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of it is. There are poor people who love money. There are rich people who don't. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What is the cause of their straying? The love of money. Same thing as the previous verse. For those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and I confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. How many times do we read in the Word of God to flee something? Flee this, flee that, flee temptation, flee lust, flee these. We're told all the time, flee these things. Why should we flee if we cannot be tempted beyond what we are able? Why flee it? If I cannot be tempted beyond what I am able, why should I flee? Why should I go anywhere? No reason for it. 2 Timothy 2.22 Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So we're told again, flee this, pursue this. Flee this area, go over here. This is what you should do. 1 Corinthians 6.18 Flee sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 10.14 The next verse after the one we started with. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. So in the same verse, the next verse after he talks about that you will not be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, flee! <laughs> Does that make sense to you? If I cannot be tempted beyond what I am able, why am I fleeing? Now, when you were little, and there was a bully on the, on the playground, and he was around, you would flee the area because if you were not there, he could not do anything to you. Right? And so we became good at fleeing. If I'm not there, he can't beat me up. If I'm not there, they can't take something from me. So we flee those areas and realize I don't want to be here because I can be susceptible to the bully. So he's saying flee youthful lust. Flee idolatry. 
Flee these things. He's saying flee it. Why? I mean, if you're bigger and tougher, why flee? Stand up there and fight the thing. Because you can fall. You can fall into this stuff. We don't need to get in there. So what, what exactly is he teaching here? The blanks there I didn't fill in for you. Why are we told to flee if we can handle it? Why are we told to flee if we can handle it? So what does he teach here? The word temptation means any outside source that appeals to a weakness in your flesh. Any outside source that appeals to a weakness in your flesh. It can be any weakness. This is a very general word. It can mean any weakness in your flesh. This is the temptation he's talking about. How many of you know that being lazy is a temptation? How many have felt that temptation this week? Just to be a little bit lazy? And... That's, a, that's a weakness. There are certain addictions people have. That's a weakness. There are certain things that we're more prone to, to go after. That's a weakness. There's, there's things in our flesh. For some folks, you know, it's uh, uh, they just like to eat. And they eat a whole lot. And sometimes that's not always good for us. You know, we're making a big deal now. You know, that, that's, uh, everybody's got to watch out. Pretty soon, being overweight will be illegal. It is getting close to that spot. Especially if they pass national health care. Being, being overweight will become illegal. <laughs> they, catch, they catch you at McDonald's, they'll arrest you. Why are you here? Because you're going to put a, 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 a drain on the system. It's in there. I, I keep telling you, go out there and read that thing before you get these people to sign it. Get out there and read it. You would be amazed at what is in there. They will legislate this to you. They will have a guard over there at McDonald's. Sorry, you're overweight. You can't come in. And McDonald's will have to, you know, they'll be struggling because they can't get their customers to come on in and all sorts of stuff comes out of that. But anyway, temptations. There's just th- there's there's things that appeal to our flesh. That are, they're little weaknesses. For some people, Twinkies are a weakness. For some people, they despise them. A Twinkie? Ah. No. We don't want those. We may want to run over next door and tell them they need to quiet down for the next hour or so if you don't mind uh, being a strong man over there, John or Bruce or anyone raising out here today. We're missing a lot of folks here today. That's why we pushed our picnic off until uh, next week when the most amount of people we can get. But temptation, any outside source that appeals to a weakness in your flesh. I don't have the same weakness that you do. You don't have the same weakness that I do. We all have different weaknesses. There are some things that I can approach. Man, it's not a temptation at all. It's not a problem. Uh, it's not a big deal. I, I don't feel a draw into that, but you, you, you're struggling with that temptation. It's all different. So it's this, what he's talking about here is, as far as temptation, very general, anything that appeals to your flesh. Not your spirit, but your flesh. But look what he says here. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is what? In other words, you it's not unique to you. You are not the only one who resists that. 
Other people resist it. Everybody doesn't resist the same thing. Everybody doesn't have the same temptations. Everybody doesn't face the same things. We all face them. For some people, food isn't temptation. For some people, other things are, tempt- are, are substitute temptation. It, it's all different. Some people work is a temptation. Some people leisure is a temptation. There's all kinds of things that can be tempting us and pulling us in. But the temptations that we face are common. They are common. If they are common, why does God have to screen them out? No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So what's he mean by that? He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Simple. But with the temptation will also make the way of... In other words, every temptation that comes has a way out. So that you won't fall into it. Everyone has a way out. Why don't we get out of it? Because it's a temptation. And sometimes I want to do the temptation. Sometimes I want to get on that side of things. Now, it's not just addictions and food and, and, uh, and bad stuff that we think. It is a temptation to get out of faith. It is a temptation to doubt God. Isn't it? That's a temptation. Don't we all deal with that? Oh, I am struggling with doubting God on this one. Oh, but I know if I have been facing this that I must be able to overcome it. No, it's common. There's an escape. There is a way out of doubting God. Do you know what it is? Don't do it. Don't doubt Him. Simply don't doubt Him. Just believe that what He said, He's going to do. I like what one person said. Pretend like what God said is so. Pretend. I'm just going to pretend that this is right. I'm just going to pretend like God's actually going to do what He said He's going to do. I'm just going to pretend like that. You pretend like He's not. What's so hard about pretending like He is? So the temptations we face are common. The word for escape here is a compound word. It comes from the word ek, which means out, and the word walk, which means together. You can do this. Walk out. That's why they translated it escape. Pretty good translation, huh? Escape means to walk out. To leave the thing. To flee the thing. To get away from it. That's all that it means. There will always be an escape route if you have obeyed. There will always be one. There's always a way to get out of it. If you have obeyed. Now look at some of the things he said. Flee youthful lusts. Well, if you go to places where there are youthful lusts and hang out with those places, don't wonder why you're struggling with youthful lusts. I don't seem to be able to walk away from this. You're still in the building. (laughs) Get out. Leave the woman or the man or whoever it is. Get away. Leave them. You know, if you're not mindful of the temptation, you don't usually fall into it. You know what is a real good way, if you are on a diet, you know what is a real good way not to eat steak? Don't go to Outback. (laughs) 
Don't go there. Don't go to Texas Roadhouse. Don't, I'm just going to go in and I'll order a salad. Don't go to Outback and order salad. That's offensive. That's just, I would just take offense at that. That's just offensive. What do you go to Outback and order a salad for? That's ridiculous. You go to Outback and people go to Outback and you know what they order? Chicken. Chicken? At Outback. No, we got to teach you people what to do. You go to Outback, you order one thing. Steak. I don't care if they serve seafood. You go to Outback, you get steak. No, I'm not messing with it. Mom, we'll go to Outback. I haven't been there in like a year or something like that. It's been a while. But if we go to Outback, my wife will always ask me, inevitably, you know, we're looking over the menu, what are you going to order? I'm going to order steak. I'm at Outback. Now, as far as I'm concerned, folks, there is really only one steak in existence. All the others pale in comparison. There is only one steak that people should eat. Now, you may have a different opinion on that. And that's fine, because it won't, it won't bother me at all. But for me, it's the ribeye. That is the best steak in the entire world. There is no, don't, don't mess with sirloins. Don't mess with T-bones. I really don't care to ever have one of those in my life. As long as there's a ribeye on the menu, it's going to be on my plate. <laughs> I like the ribeye. Now, you may like another one just so you enjoy it, but if you're going to go to Outback, go out there and, and order steak. But don't go on over to Outback and be on a diet. <laughs> don't go over to Outback and, well, I'm just going to have salad. I'll just have salad. I'll just smell the steak. That'll be enough. No, it won't. You're eventually going to want to, to have some. You know, it's as bad as going to the pizza parlor. And I'll, I'll just have a salad. And you smell the pizza. And you smell the cheesesteak. And pretty soon you have a salad and a cheesesteak. That's not so good for diets, I don't think. But you know, one of the best things to do is to flee. If you are intent on having salads, there is a great place around for you to go to called Salad Works. That's all they serve. That's it. Salads. There's no temptation. You will have this salad, this salad, or this salad. It's just salad. That's all they do. So if you want to have salad, go out to the salad place. Go out to the you know, Salad Works. Now, certain ones of them I know will do pasta and stuff like that. You just stay away from those ones. You know, there's other ones that just do salads. I know that because I went into one of them trying to get the pasta and they didn't have it. So I didn't eat there. <laughs> salad. But if you're on a diet, go to, go to diet appropriate places. Don't go to places that mess with you. That's not, flee. When you go to the grocery store, bring home the right stuff. Don't bring home the ice cream and the Twinkies and the Yodels and the, all the other stuff that come along because that's just going to be sitting in your house and what's going to happen? You can't flee when it's in your house. It's there. Flee temptation. Here's a great way not to be tempted. Don't be around it. Don't be around it. That's all you got to do. Don't be around it. Now that works out real good for diets and, and things of that nature. Youthful lusts and stuff. But what about doubting God? It seems like we're always around being able to doubt God. How is there an escape? What are we supposed to do with that? And see, this is where we've gotten into trouble. 
I can get by with the diets. I can get by with the, you know, with all the ad- addictive things and the youthful lusts and all that sort of stuff. All right, fine. I, I escape. I get away. But what about this doubting God stuff? What about facing the situation? Because I have always believed that God has screened out all my tests, all my trials, and all my temptations. And the only ones I get are the ones that I can handle. Right? Have you ever gone to the doctor, got a bad report from the doctor, and said, well, I guess God thinks a lot of me. I guess I can handle this. I wouldn't be having, I wouldn't be going through this unless God thought I could handle it. And because of it, we're not fighting this battle right. Now, what's my role in all this? First off, understand temptation. No, I can beat it. Understand what temptation is. And temptation is just trying to get you to doubt God. Doubt His Word. To think, it's not so good out over there. That's all that it is. We were singing that song today, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. If you stand on the solid rock, what's the song say about all the rest of the stuff? Sinking sand. That's not good. Be on the solid rock, right? So we're on the solid rock. We got a solid rock. We're standing on the solid rock and all around us is... And we sing the song loud. All of the ground is sinking sand. But I'm on the solid rock and I hear the temptation. Doubt God. Okay. I'm on sinking sand now. Didn't that what the song said? All of the ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground... So I'm up here on the solid rock and I get moved off because the devil comes along and he starts sowing a thought in my, my head. You're going to die. You're not going to get well. This one's going to take you down. That bill's not going to get paid. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your house. You won't be on enough gas for your car. Something bad's going to happen to you if you go out in the road today. Oh, I could die. What I do? I got off the rock. But I thought I could bear whatever it was that came by. Folks, if you can bear whatever it is that comes by, there's no sin in the world. Right? The problem, the reason that there's sin in the world, there's a reason that people doubt God, the reason that people miss God, is because they took on something that they could not overcome. I mean, they had the ability to overcome, they just didn't do it. So, understand temptation? No, I can beat it. Find the escape routes. Find the, there's escape routes out there for you. Other song we were singing was, All I have in you is more than enough. How many like that song? I love that. I bought the whole CD for that one song. The whole, don't even listen to the rest of the songs. I mean, once in a while, throw them on. I love that, that one song was it. I actually did a search for that song, bought the album it was on. Because I love that song. All I have in you is more than enough. And we sit there and we sing and tears flow down. And all I have in you is more than enough. And then we get out there tomorrow and we're on the solid rock. All I have in you is more than enough. I don't have that. Right? <laughs> I don't have that. I want that one over there. Got suckered right in. Find the escape routes. Revelation 2.10. You're going to love this. You're going to want to put this verse up in your refrigerator. I know it. Do not... You all know that's not going to be good. 
Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Glory to God! Isn't that great? Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Doesn't sound like God sparing them, does it? Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. Glory to God. Isn't that a refrigerator verse? Isn't that one you just put up there in the refrigerator? Be faithful unto death. The devil wants to test you. He's going to put some of you in prison. He's even going to kill some of you. Don't worry. Stay faithful to death. I'll give you the crown of life when you get here. <laughs> that kind of messes up some of our doctrine, doesn't it? First Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved with various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by... That just never sounds good, is it? Tested by fire? May be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see Him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You may agree with various trials or some things that come upon you. But we're hiding behind this thing. Whatever uh, comes upon my life, I know I can handle it. I want to let you know that everything that comes into your life, folks, you cannot handle. And you better get rid of that doctrine that tells you whatever comes into my life, I can handle it because that's why you're failing. You don't understand what the Word of God is teaching you. Here's the question. Are we ever given too much? Are we ever given too much? Answer? Yes! Yes! Yes. We are sometimes given too But I thought... Well, take a look at this. Moses and Israel. Moses brings Israel out of the land of Egypt and they come over to where? The Red Sea. They got the Egyptian army at one side, rocks to the, to the north and south of them, and the Red Sea in front of them. How many think this is too much? They have no armor. They have no weapons. They have no boats. Is the Red Sea more than they can handle? Yes, yes it is. It's more than they can handle. So what's God say? Stand back and watch what I'm going to do. Stand back and watch what I am going to do. The Egyptian army you see now, you will see no more. Who did all that? God parted the Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground. When they get on through, God closes the Red Sea up on the Egyptians. And they all died. What did the children of Israel do? Did they do anything? I mean, did they all blow? Get the Red Sea to part? Did they all go in there with a, with a bucket of water? Pull it out? They just stood there. God did it all. He did it all. Was it more than they could do? Was it more than they could bear? But it wasn't for God. So God showed up. He said, stand back. I'm going to take care of this one for you. You just watch me work. And they watched them work. What was their role? Don't doubt. But even if they did, it didn't matter on this one. God says, don't, I don't care what you guys do. I'm doing this. I'm pulling this off. I don't care if you doubt. I don't care what you do. I'm doing this. 
I'm pulling us off. I'm going to get them. And he did. Then they get out in the desert. And they have no water. God let them here. No water. No water. Nothing. You got two to four million people in a desert with no water. Is that more than you can handle? Do you have the ability to take care of this? No! What do you need now? I need God. And God let them into this spot. He let them there. And so Moses goes to God and says, what should we do? We'll just go up to the rock, strike it, I'll bring water out of the rock for them. So they did that, but God was expecting a little bit out of them, but they didn't do it. He was expecting a little bit of obedience, a little bit of not doubting. They didn't do it. Then they get over to Canaan. And they look into Canaan, they send out the spies, and the spies come back and say, we are more than able to take the land. Oh, that was two of them. What did the rest of them say? We are not able. We are grasshoppers in their sight. They're giants. They're bigger than we are. We are not able to do it. Was the task bigger than they were? God says you can do it. I'll take you through it. You can do it. Red Sea, He did all by Himself. Wilderness, He expected a little bit out of them. He's kind of mad that they didn't come through on anything. But here when they came to the, to the giants, He expected them to understand this is bigger than you, but I'm bigger than them. And I promised you, we'll get this thing done. And they would rely on Him. And they decided not to. And so God says, fine, you don't go in. You don't go in. So there are times when God says, stand back, I'm taking care of this one. This, is, this one's on me. This one's on me. Other times, I, I'd like to see a little bit out of you, but I'll still provide for you even though you didn't. And then, you all don't come through on your end, I'm not coming through on mine. Joshua, at Jericho, what did they do to defeat Jericho? Well, they were obedient. They walked around the, mar- the, the walls. But they didn't knock down the walls. They didn't attack the walls. They didn't do anything to the walls. They didn't plant any explosive devices in there. They uh, just marched. They just did what God said to do. And the walls came down. They went in and they defeated it. Over at Ai. Ai seems like, yeah, it's a small thing. We'll go over there. They had problems. We just covered that recently. So you all know about that one. We had Jericho. We had Ai. Big battle, little battle. They eventually get through that all. And then they had to go over to Gibeon. That's where they had, we just talked about that last week. The five kings came on down to knock out the ones they had made the, tra- the, the, PD, the treaty with. Five kings at one time. And they took care of them without a problem. At Jericho, mostly God. At Ai, they thought we can take care of this. They didn't. In Gibeon, the only reason they didn't take care of it, Ai, I understand, was not because they underestimated Ai. The only reason was because they were sin. Otherwise, their plan probably would have worked fine. But here's one I really want you to get to see. Elijah. This is the one you really got to understand. At Mount Carmel, Elijah does what God says to do. He says, there will be no more rain on this earth until, or, uh, until my word. At my word, till I speak it, it won't happen. And then he runs off and he hides. 
And they can't find him. Can't find him anywhere. Turns out he's hiding in Jezebel's home country. If you're going back and look it up, you can trace it out. He's hiding in Jezebel's home. That's where God hit him out. So he comes on back and they say, you know, let's, uh, let's stop going back and forth between opinions. If God is God, let's serve Him. If Baal's God, let's serve Him. So let's get on the mountain and let's have him, whoever is God, let's have Him show up. And so he says, you all, you all go first. We'll make an altar. You know, we'll have the prayer. Fire will come down, all that sort of stuff. Is that bigger than Elijah? Is Elijah able to cause fire to come down from heaven? No, he can't do that. He cannot cause it. But God said, do it this way. He just obeyed. He just listened. And they did it. And so he's got all these prophets of Baal. He's got the king. All these people. And he's over there. He's just relaxing. He's having a good old time just watching them. And after a while, he starts ribbing them. You know, maybe your God's asleep. Then he even actually says this. He says, maybe he's on the toilet. He actually says that if you go in there. and That's what he says. They worded it a little bit differently in your King James, New King James Bible. But that's actually what he said. Maybe he's on the toilet. He's a little busy right now. He's teasing them. He's having fun with these guys. And these guys are nervous. They start cutting themselves and all kinds of noises and trying to do everything they can to wake him up. He's, Shout louder! He might be sleeping. Wake him up! And after a long while of all this, he said, all right, that's enough with you guys. You had your chance. And so he says, you know, go out there and get some water. If you're wondering why he's getting water in a drought, simple, it's just it's water they can't drink. So they get on down there and they get this water and they douse the thing. He says, douse it again. And they gladly did. Of course, the reason for that was that it was very common amongst idolaters to have a secret chamber that had fire in, in there and they would cause fire to come out. And they would persuade people that their God was God by doing these kind of things. So that's why he had them douse it. To show them there is no fire underneath this thing. Beside that, the fire came from above. But he's letting them know there's no fire here. He doused it. That's why he did it. Because that was a common practice for those folks back then. And so he makes one prayer and fire comes down and mops it up. Takes up the sacrifice. Licks up the water. Burns the rock. That's some fire. That's not fire like we know. That's God's fire. How many of you, if you're on Mount Carmel, are tempted to think, well, God, God, what happens if you don't come through? What happens if the fire doesn't show up? How many of you are thinking that? You would go from standing on the rock to, well, maybe God won't come through to going down to sinking sand. And here's Elijah. Big, bold, tough. And then he gets on out of there. And of course, he prays. And you see the little fire, the little little uh, cloud, and so then he runs, and he outruns his chariot all the way back to the to the city. That's a pretty good feat for a man to outrun a horse. He did some running then, and he gets over there, and the place just you know rains, and all sorts of stuff happens, and then Jezebel gets word that all her prophets were killed, and so she sends a messenger out to uh, Elijah that if you're alive tomorrow. Well, it's just not going to happen. You will be dead by tomorrow. And he gets nervous. He goes from standing on the rock, believing fire to come down from heaven and burn up the altar, hearing this little thing, this, this wimpy woman, Jezebel, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. And he runs. Oh, 
I might die tomorrow. Oh, fear got in. What happened? Temptation came. Is he able to bear it? Well, he's shown what he was able to do on the mountain. He was able to, to bear more than what this was. But this one knocked him over. Why did God let that happen then? Why didn't God stop Jezebel from doing that? How come that happened to, to poor Elijah? God needed Elijah. He's over there doing some good work. How about Jesus in the wilderness? Forty days. He's over there fasting. The devil comes over to him for part of that time. Tempted him. And he tried everything. Couldn't get him to, to fall. Comes on out of that. And then he's at the cross. Seemed to be do fine in the wilderness. Didn't seem to have any trouble with that at all. Then he comes to the cross and he gets three hours of prayer time beforehand. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, I'll go ahead and do it. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, I'll go ahead and do it. Now, when Elijah is up on Mount Carmel, who brought the fire? God did, right? When he ran from Jezebel, did he have to do anything? Did God have to bring fire? Did God have to do anything at all? He just had to believe God. Just stay there and believe God. That's all he had to do. Jesus in the wilderness. God's uh, building them up, strengthening them, doing some things, anoints them with the Spirit. Then here at the cross, what I want you to see here is here at the cross, He gets to the cross. What does God do for Jesus? He puts the sin of the world on Him. But what does God do for Jesus at the cross? Does Jesus say, Father God, make me strong? Father God, give me the strength that I can bear this thing. What's he say? If it's possible, let's do this another way. If it's not, I will bear it. Who's bearing it? Jesus is. Jesus is bearing it, folks. Go back to this verse again. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able the, word of, uh, the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus was tempted in all points like we were. All points like we were. Temptation is common. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape. No matter what you face, there is an escape. There is a way out. Sometimes it is to flee youthful lust before we get in anywhere around them. Sometimes it involves fleeing. Getting out of a thing. Sometimes it's like Joseph. He just you know, ran out of the room. Get out. Go. Now Elijah fled too. But he was not to flee from that. God didn't say flee from Jezebel. He said flee from useful lust. Flee from these other things. Not flee from Jezebel. We are not to flee certain temptations. But there's always an escape. But the escape does not have to be a fleeing. The escape a lot of times is just believing. Because I'm standing on the Word. I believe I'm healed. I believe my need is met. I believe my job is good. I believe that God is prospering me. Whatever it is that we're standing for, we're believing for. And then here comes the thoughts. Out here's better. Where you're standing, not so good. Out here's better. And what are the thoughts? I mean, here I'm believing. I'm healed. God is my provider. My job is secure in Him. All these things. Out here I'm believing. Oh, I may lose my job tomorrow. 
Is that better? I mean, is, is that a better condition for you than standing on the rock believing, my God shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory? Is that better? I'm standing believing for a healing on the thing. And every day I seem to battle something. There's something going on. And the temptation keeps coming on by. Why don't you just doubt? Why don't you just worry about this some? Yeah. Oh, I'm so worried about this. I might die. Is that better? Is it better? How many of y'all like being down here worrying? I might die. I could die tomorrow. I could die next week. I could have an accident and die. Always thinking these things. What's better? Or standing on the rock. Saying, Father God, I thank you. My life is in your hands. Glory to God. I thank you that I'm healed. I don't. I may not feel real healed right now, but I thank you that I am. Because your word says I'm healed. But here comes the thought. Come on out here. Come on out here. Doubt. What is it? Temptation. But God will with the temptation provide a way of escape. What's the way of escape? Get hold of what the word of God said. And believe it instead. You know what? Word of God says, I'm healed. I'm going to believe that and not you. And then just go on. And not fret about it. Not worry about it. Sometimes we just get so caught up in fret and worry and anxiety. And we wonder, why is it not working for me? Did you all read the quote today? Charles Capps. Somebody read it for me. Real short. There you go. Faith in the devil is called fear. <laughs> Doesn't that just put a whole new perspective on it? Yes. Yes. Fear is faith in the devil. That's all. No fear is faith in God. Fear is faith in the devil. No fear, faith in God. When I become fearful of losing my job, I'm believing who? Oh, I don't say this, but this is really what I'm doing. The devil told me I might lose my job. Oh, I'm in fear of losing my job. Well, why'd you believe that? Did you lose your job? No, not yet. But I might. I mean, it could happen. Just kind of afraid that it might. So you just decided to believe the temptation over the Word. Was there a way out of that? There was, wasn't there? What was the way out of it? Believe God. Father God, I thank you that you provide for all my things that I need. I thank you that you provide for it. And you know what, God? Even if that job did go away, you've got a better one out there. It don't matter. I'm just not going to get in fear about it. I'm just fine. I'm good. Whatever it is. Now, I'm just going to believe you. Remember that story Noel told us uh, a year or two ago? The guy who was believing God for a better job? He, I believe I'm going to double my salary. I believe I'm going to double my salary. He's still making the same money. Remember, remember that story? I believe I'm going to double my salary. He lost his job. I went out there trying to find a new job. I was going out there looking at places, not finding a job. Just kept, I believe I'm going to double my salary. And his wife would talk to him, I believe I'm going to double my salary. God's going to double my salary. He goes on out there, he's looking for a job. He's, he's just not waiting for a job to come to him. He's out there looking for a job. 
And uh, as he's out there looking for a job, he sees a diner. He says, I'm just going to go in and sit down for a little bit and get a, a, something, something to eat. Because he's out there looking for a job all day. He goes on in and he sees somebody he knew a long time ago. Hey, how you doing? Come on over. What you been doing with yourself now? Well, just lost my job over here. I'm out here looking for a job. Well, we got an opening where I am. Well, how much is the pay? And he told him how much he paid. Okay. It was double his salary. <laughs> he got a job, got in there. But you see, he just chose not to be in fear. He just chose not to doubt. That's what we got to do. You have that choice. You have that escape. But if you hide behind this thing that, well, if God allowed it to come on me, it must be God's will. And I must have a some purpose for this thing coming upon me. He wants me to be in poverty for some reason right now. I don't know what I'm supposed to learn. Something out there I have to learn. No! Stand on the Word of God. Father God, I thank You. I'm blessed because of You. Thank You for the help that You give me. I thank You that I'm healed. You wake up in the morning and that ache and pain or whatever it is reminds you you're not healed. What do you say? I am healed. (laughs) Glory to God, I am healed. And you speak to that thing. Jesus spoke to fig trees. You can speak to your sickness. You can speak to your checkbook. Checkbook, you are full. Job, you are secure. Speak to that job. The Word of God does say that they may fall at your right hand, they'll fall at your left hand, but it will not come near you. It's not going to come near you. Just believe that. Stand on the rock. It's Christians that are standing on the sand, they keep getting washed out over here and washed out over here and then they come grumbling and complaining to God, God, I lost my job. I don't have any money. I'm sick. I got this going on. I got this going on. Oh, God, help me out. God says, flee certain things, attack other things, but believe Him. Believe Him. Father God, I'm just going to pretend like this is so. I'm just going to pretend like your word is true. I mean, sometimes it feels like pretending, doesn't it? <laughs> That's all right. Get on out there and do it. You got all these folks out there. They were given what looked like too much. Don't sit there and argue with God and say, Oh God, this is, this is too much. You have too high of an opinion of me. Too high of an opinion of me. Oh, oh God, it's... It's just too much. How many of y'all are glad football season is getting ready to start? Amen. Yeah. Get them guys that suited up and stuff like that. Can you imagine a quarterback in the pocket, first preseason game? Two teams out there, whatever two teams you like, don't like, whatever, put them out there in the field. These two teams are out there, and the quarterback drops back to pass, and the defense sends the both ends a safety in the center on an all-out blitz and they crush the quarterback. And if you're on the team that's on the defensive side, you say, yeah, all right. Can you imagine what would happen if that quarterback got up and went over to the referees and said, they sent too much. We couldn't handle that. Tell them not to do that again. (laughs) Can you imagine the response from the other team? Let's rev it up a little bit more. <laughs> they think we brought a lot last time. Oh, wait until this time. And they just get hungrier, right? Sometimes we Christians are standing there looking at the devil and saying, You sin too much. Stop it. You're scaring me. Mom, fear. 
Stop picking on me. I'm pick on somebody else. I'm tired of being picked on. <laughs> Messing with me. No. Get up in the devil's face. You know how you stop those guys from blitzing? Complete a pass. Shuts them right up. Ah, got you guys. They don't respond to crying. There's no crying in football. There's no crying in hockey either. Somebody get that message over to Crosby. Let him know. No crying in hockey. I don't like hockey players to sit around and cry. It's ridiculous. But it shouldn't be for Christians either. Don't sit around and cry. The blues. Oh, the devil's throwing too much at me. I can't handle it. Yes, you can. Because the Word of God says that my God is greater. The song we were singing last, magnify Him. Get God bigger than your problem. We got too many Christians with problems bigger than their God. They're not meditating on Him. They're not meditating on His Word. Get God bigger than your problem. Stop meditating on your problem and making it bigger. Just go on and meditate on God. Get them to... The devil's over there trying to get your attention with some, some temptation. And you're just not paying him any mind. You know what you do to him? Get him mad. I learned that when I was a kid. I had an older sister. And you know, when you're younger and you have the older sister, the older sister has the upper hand. It doesn't last... You know, there's a certain time when it turns. But for the beginning, the, the older sister has the upper hand. And, you know, my older sister had the upper hand and, and she would do stuff, mess with me. And she would, uh, she just would tickle me incessantly. She just knew I was susceptible to that and she would just come over there and tickle. tickle. Oh, I mean, horrible. So I decided, I, that's it. I will not be ticklish anymore. And I wasn't. I don't know how that worked. I really don't know how that worked. <laughs> I have no idea what it was. But I just determined, I will not let her know that this bothers me. I will not give in to this. I am not going to be ticklish ever again. And she would sit there and tickle and for a while. But then after a while, I'm just like, go ahead. Go ahead, tickle. Well, then she stopped doing it. And it does, if it doesn't work, they stop. See, the reason the devil keeps coming after you with this stuff because it works. As soon as it stops working, he stops. Because he's kind of smart. I mean, most defenses realize if you blitz every play and they beat you every play, we ought to stop blitzing. They figured it out. We'll do something else. We'll fake a blitz. We'll drop back, you know, two deep coverage, stuff like that. We're going to do something else. Got to mix it up. If the devil knows that the same attack always works against you, why would he change? How many of you do watch football? I mean, not real interested in it. Just maybe watch it once in a while. This is my most despised part of football beside the referees. <laughs> the most despised. You have the team and this team has been, their defense has been beaten up on the other team's offense all day for three quarters of football. They have been knocking the quarterback around, tackling running backs in the backfield, sending wide receivers into next week. 
I mean, it's football. Oh, that's good stuff. It's football. I love watching watching hits, helmets fly, shoes go in different directions. I mean, this is football. That's what you want to see. Slow motion, too. You just... <laughs> the defense has been doing this all day long. And then they decide, we want to win this game. Let's change and go to a prevent defense. Hate to prevent defense. Why do they have that? They stopped blitzing. They got rushed three guys and they put everybody else in coverage. And now they start completing 10-yard passes, 15-yard passes, 25-yard passes, 30-yard run. Score! Touchdown! Why do we do that? Why change up what's working? I never understood it. If you have blitzed for three quarters and they can't figure out how to stop you, what makes you think that they did? It's still working. Keep going. Knock them in the next week. They can't score if you have the ball. Understand, if the devil knows that this temptation always pulls you out, he's going to keep using it. If he knows he can get you to stop believing for your healing by by tickling your symptoms, by giving you a bad doctor report, by having some news article published, by some new finding... He's going to keep sending it your way. Oh, they're starting to get in faith. That's all right. Just send them a new doctor report. Just have the doctor find something new. That's all. If, the, if finances are, your, are on your agenda and you have a hard time with that and you're nervous about the economy and isn't it amazing? It's just uh, flat out amazes me that the news media recognizes that a slowing of job losses is a great sign for the economy when before a year ago, 14 months ago, they had an article in the paper. The New York Times published an article when the employment rate dropped a tenth of a percent below. It was already below 5%. and dropped another tenth of a percent. This is bad. This is, this is bad. This is bad news for the economy. wrote an article about how bad it was that the unemployment rate dropped lower when it was already below 5%, but now that it's almost by 10 and we slowed getting closer to 10, this is good. I may not be in some of the math classes they are, but to me, 5% unemployment is better than 10% unemployment or 9% unemployment or 8%. Generally, that is considered better. It's all how you want to spin it. But if, if, if all that kind of stuff is bothering you and you're beginning to think, oh, I might lose my job. And you're standing over here believing God's, God's my provider. God's taking care of things. Oh, but then the economy, all he's got to do is publish some new numbers and get them in front of you. Unemployment went to 9.8. Oh, I just know I'm going to be one of the 9.8. Oh, oh, I'm... I'm afraid I'm going to be one of the 9.8. I just know it. Do you know, even though 9.8% unemployment means that 90% of the people are working? 90% of the people are working! (laughs) Think about that. 90% of the people are working! I, I understand it. If you are one of the people not working, 9.8 is a bad number. But if you were one of the people working, understand, 90% of the people are working. Just keep telling yourself, get up there on, the, on there. 90% are working. Don't you be messing with me with those numbers. 
And then, of course, they'll come with a health report. You know, 50% of the people whose parents died of that disease die too. Fifty percent don't. <laughs> Fifty percent don't die. Don't get drawn over to the fear side. You stay over on the word side. You keep feeding the, the things of your word. You get around people that feed that. Don't get around people that are trying to pull you down and oh, you're gonna lose your car, you're gonna lose your house, you're gonna lose this, you're gonna lose that. No, don't don't be buying into that. Trust God. Trust God. Thank you, Father God. I thank you that my job is securing you. I thank you that business comes to my employer. Pray for your employer. Pray for them to have business. Because when they have business, you have business. It's good. Works out well. Stop getting into the fear of things. We want to rule and reign in life, folks. We've got to get over some of this stuff. We can't be pulled off of the rock so easily. Stand on the rock, good thing to do. Stop getting pulled out into that sand that's down over here. Because all he knows, this is what the devil knows, all i got to do is get you off the rock. I don't care where you go. i just got to get you off the rock. You can go to the left, you can go to the right, you can go forward, you can go backward. I don't care which way you go. All I need to do is get you off the rock. He has no concern with what fear you pick up. He just wants you to get one. That's all He wants you to do. Get off the rock. He wants you to get off the rock. Just like football. When football starts, where is all the attention focused? Every game is this way. All the attention is always focused on one person. One person. It's not the coach. It's not the referee. It isn't even the quarterback. It is one person that the entire game is focused on. The one with the ball. Yeah. <laughs> the one with the ball. That's all anybody cares about. We care about the one who has the ball. Maybe a little bit about the one who's going to get the ball, but mostly we are focused on the ball. You watch the camera. The camera follows what? The ball. As long as you stay on the rock, you've got the ball. And he is concerned about that. He gets you off the rock, he can get you to drop the ball. They really don't care. But you get up on that rock, you got the ball. That's why you demand attention. That's why stuff keeps coming your way. You got the ball! Can you imagine a quarterback? Ball gets hiked to him, and he's dropping back, and everybody starts coming after him, and he drops the ball. What are you waiting for? <laughs> he won't be employed very long as a quarterback. No! You hang on to that ball. No, they, the, the guys that are good, they want the ball. Except for centers. You know, guards, they don't want the ball. They get in trouble if they have the ball. Not supposed to touch the ball. But most of the other guys, you know, they, they want the ball. You follow the ball. The ball is what's important. As long as you stand in faith for your situation, you have the ball. As soon as you drop having faith for that situation, you drop the ball. And you're off the rock and you're on the sand. God wants you on the rock. On the rock. All other ground is on Christ. 
the solid rock I stand. He's the solid rock. Just know every temptation that comes has one purpose. Get you off the rock. Get you to accept faith. Get you to accept fear. He's got to somehow pull you off. If this doesn't work anymore, we'll get this new thing over here. We'll try something new. We'll try a new report. We'll try a new study. I'm tired of studies. I study the Word. And the Word of God tells me what I need to know about healing, about finances, about my job, about all these other things. Let's believe what the Word of God says. Would you all stand up with me? How many of you would say that you have a situation with two weeks ago we had you all have those situations and make sure that you had written down scriptures that you were believing for? That you had a day that you can go back to and say, this is the day that I prayed. We talked about it. A lot of Christians, they're believing for something and they have no idea. Well, I, I, I know I prayed something. I think I prayed something. Did I, did, did I ever pray for that? I don't know. We just No, they just kind of want to switch from unbelief to belief and not really have a day or a moment to point to. We talked about that about two weeks ago. And many of you are going to go home and write down some things and write down some scriptures and have that point of prayer. On this day... I pray this based on this and this is what I'm going to receive. And you have that to go back to every time that this, this come, comes on. But how many of you right now are saying, I am facing a situation that it brings fear to me. That fear, I haven't maybe, maybe you accepted it, maybe you didn't, but all around you, it keeps trying to throw things out to fear the economy, fear about your job, fear about finances, fear about health, fear about w- disease, fear about whatever it was. Stuff like that. How many of you are facing a situation like that right now? You got stuff like that going around? Alright. Rest of you aren't raising your hand. You're staying away from the fear. You must say no to fear. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to buy into that. Fear is faith in the devil. That's what fear is. Don't buy into it. Don't take faith in him. Have faith in God. That's where we need to go. So every time you begin to see that stuff, I want you to identify it. That's faith in something other than what God's Word said. This is what God's Word said. This is what God's Word This is what God said. Yeah, but you don't know how much I've been going through. You don't know what I've been going... It's been this and it's been that. It's because you have the ball. You can always let go of the ball. I don't think you want to do that. Your situation is ready to change. Especially when you start seeing the devil pick up on attacks. He, he, knows some, he doesn't necessarily know the future. I'm not saying he knows all that sort of stuff. But he can sense in your spirit that, that faith is really starting to take hold. We've got to come after that a little stronger. We've got to get that thing torn down. We've got to make sure that they don't go in that direction. When those attacks pick up, just know mm, we're doing alright. We're going in a good direction. Stay strong. Wake up in the morning, instead of picking up that fear, instead of picking up that worry, that anxiety, glory to God. Father, I thank You that You are delivering me. I thank You that You are coming through for me. I thank You that You're doing this thing for me. How many of you know that God puts fear in you about sickness and disease? Does God put fear in you for sickness and disease? Does God put fear in you for financial situation? Does God put fear in you for anything in this world? No. So if God doesn't put it into you, who does? 
So fight it. Don't accept it. Fight it. Devil, I, I, I caught you. I see what you're doing. You're not messing with me. Uh-uh. No, no, no. I am not going to give into that. I'm not going to give into that. You keep following after God. There have been people, you may know them, maybe not here today, but you may know them, and they've seen bad things happen. They just, well, God, if you allow that kind of stuff to go on, I want to serve you. God hasn't allowed any of these things to go on. God is not in the business of sitting there allowing this stuff to happen to His kids. He says, with every, with every temptation that comes your way, it's common. happens all the time. It's common. The devil uses this tactic all over the place. But there's a way to get out. And I provided it for you. Take it. Father God, we thank You for the help that You give us. I thank You for Your Word that we can continue to stand on. On the solid rock. On Jesus Christ, the solid rock. It's where we make our stand. All of the ground. Sinking sand. We don't want to be there. We want to be on the rock. We know that later on today, sometime tonight, sometime tomorrow, thoughts are going to come our way to try and pull us down. To try and make the sand be more attractive. Try and get us to be in worry, anxiety, and fear. Trying to get us to be fretful. But you said don't do that. Be anxious for nothing, you said in your word, but in all things by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Glory to your name, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the help that you give us. Glory be to God. As you meditate on some of these things this week, and as you've gone over some of the things in the past, we've, we've gone over, there may come a day that you have been facing a certain battle and you really don't have a day to stand on. A day to say, this is when this situation turned for me. This is the day that I decided not to believe that report anymore and to believe this one. And you need a day. We have the little slips of paper. Or you, can just, you don't even need a slip of paper. You just tell an usher. I want to be prayed for for today. There is a difference when you ask for prayer than when someone else says, anybody wants prayer, come on up. There's a difference when you ask for prayer. Go through the Word of God. Go through the New Testament and find out how many times Jesus called everybody who wants prayer for some sickness, come on up here to the front. And you look at how many times people came to Him and asked. There's a difference. It starts the faith off on your side. And that's what you want. I want you to come on into church and I say, I've been meditating on this all week long. And I've got the Scriptures and I'm ready. But I want a point. I want hands laid on me. I want this done. And I want the whole church to know. And I want everybody to know that I can always say, on August this day, 2009, I prayed for that. Church still even saw me. They saw me stand there and receive healing. They saw me receive assurance on this. They saw me receive a job. Whatever it was that you need. You stood on it. I want you to have that. So as you meditate on these things this week, get yourself fired up. Get yourself ready. I want to rule and reign in this life. And this thing is not going to hold me back anymore. We'll take time to pray over every single person we need to if you ask for it. Pray over every single one of you. Let God speak however He wants to speak as we pray over you. Say whatever it is He's going to say. But I want you to come in and say, I'm ready. This is what I'm believing for. Don't come to me with a problem. Well, this is my problem. I don't know what to do. No, I meditate on the Word of God. I know what He says. And He says this. And from that point on, you can say, 
on August, whatever the day. What do you mean it's today? Today's the 9th. On August 9th, on August 16th, on August 10th, whatever day it is that you make that prayer, get hands laid on you, whatever it is that you're following in the Word of God. This thing changed. And you're standing up here on the rock. And the thought comes, you're not healed. On August 9th, 2009, I had hands laid on me. And I've received healing for that situation. I'm not taking that thought anymore. And understand this, folks. In a football team, if they blitz all game long and you finally stop them on one play from blitzing, you think they quit? (laughs) Not if they're worth their salt. They're going to come blitz again. They're going to come blitz again. In fact, they don't even expect every blitz to work. And they only need one per series generally, to work. You get a good blitz to work on one play, one series, you've messed that whole thing up, probably that whole drive stalls. The devil doesn't care that you accept every blitz he throws your way. He just cares that one gets through. But after you stand up and you stop blitz after blitz after blitz after blitz, he has to pull back and find another way. It'll stop that thing. But it doesn't matter what he attacks because it says that if we stand on the rock or solid. Stand on the sand, you're not. Stand on the rock. Be at that place. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the help you give us in this. Father, as you look out at all these folks that are here, you know the situations that they face. Bring them through your word this week. Have them meditate upon it because some of the things that they're facing are not things that just came up this week. They've been with them for a long time. So let your word rise up on the inside of them. Let faith rise up on the inside of them. Let them see, oh yeah, I see that now. That's for me. And they will make a stand. No, the devil has pulled them off of it before. He won't be able to this time. They're on the rock and they're not leaving. So Father, I thank you for the way that you minister to each and every person here. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I believe next week we're going to be getting into this. I don't tell you this too often. So there is a reason why I am telling you this. I think we get into this next week. But a lot of times when I'm preparing for, for, for things or, or even when I'm standing in the shop, sometimes God will speak some things to me. But this one was a little bit different. I needed to tell you all about it. A question came to my mind. came to my spirit actually. Dropped in my spirit. And I went and researched the question. It was, it was phenomenal. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the question is until next week. But there is a reason why I'm telling you this ahead of time. I hardly ever do this to you. A lot of times I'll go through a whole service. I'll hear three or four things from God and never tell you one of them. I'll just let you pick it out. But there's something different about this. So I just want to let you know about that ahead of time. I, I, I said that I would. So I just wanted to come through that. That should be next week. We'll be, uh, be getting to that. Next week also we have the uh, angel will be here and we're going to be doing the picnic next week.